Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. One alive, one dead. One fictional, it's up to you who you choose, you pick them all. It's up to you who you choose, you pick them all. Who you having? Make it who you wish. This is your dinner party, and it's your guest list. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Guest List with Jake Lambert, the podcast where I interview comedians to find out who would be their perfect dinner party guest. But they can only pick three. One has to be alive, one has to be dead, and one has to be fictional. This week we are joined by Ishan Akbar. It's a really fun episode. Um, Ishan and I have gigged together a few times. We've never properly hung out though. Um, so it was nice to do that, to sort of chat for an hour or so. We spoke about everything from um, comedy at the Edinburgh Festival to uh, football and a little bit into um, politics and about uh, Ishan's sort of uh, previous life. He um, he's had many jobs before comedy. He was he was a banker, and we sort of discussed that briefly. He was also I had no idea about a um, a dance choreographer, and then there was also another revelation. But I'll let him tell you that bit. Right. I also know that I've been neglecting my emails. Now I will say this for people. Well, you'll know if you've written in. I do reply to the emails. I just sometimes don't read them out on the podcast so for new listeners we do something called pest list where people can send in their ideas for the worst dinner party guests i've chosen one email now which will go through quickly and these are people's choices for the uh worst dinner party guests so we have three to choose from the first one is uh nicola sturgeon i've never liked her and she reminds me of one of the crankies um you say one of the crankies isn't it just the the one, the the small boy, I'd imagine. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't really know what the Crankies are. I don't know if it was a sitcom or they were just these sort of characters that sort of appeared on things. But whenever people say the Crankies, I only ever picture one Cranky. I don't really know, but that's the first choice. Sorry. Um, Pierce Morgan, uh, no explanation needed. Yep, fair. Hard to, hard to argue that. And third one is Rylan. Uh, he seems to be on everything at the minute, and now he's even doing adverts. Oh, I quite I like Rylan. He sort of um he sort of makes me happy. He's a nice boy. Um, so not Rylan. Um, I think it's obvious, isn't it? This week's well, it's Piers Morgan. Um, we'll just put him in there. I think if he didn't go in this week, he'd go in another week. So we might as well do this one. Um, right. Um, I should say as ever. Please remember to rate and subscribe 
and share the podcast and post it on social media and tell your friends, tell your family members, whatever. Um, thanks to everybody who does that, by the way. It's very much appreciated and it does make a difference and it's very lovely. If you want to get in touch, it's guestlistwithjake at gmail.com. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Ishan Akbar. But how have you been during lockdown? Have you been been busy? Do you, do you know, I here's the thing. I I feel like it's you know how particularly in England, there's all these social norms that we unspoken rules. So you know, mm. don't fla- flaunt your wealth too much. You know, uh, be humble. All that kind of stuff that English people do. Do you want me to move this money? <laughs> yeah, just move it to the way. <laughs> I, I, I'm loath to admit that I've actually had quite a good lockdown, like since March last year. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. It's been really good for me. <laughs> and I feel yeah. like it comes off a bit uncouth just to admit that you had a nice time and everyone else has had such a tough one. But And also, I think there's a relativism as well because, so my dad's a paramedic. Obviously, I had oh. a very heightened anxiety about my dad working on the front line. Yeah. But he's come out of it unscathed. So, yeah, but I've had a nice time. You've had an, I'm glad. And if if it should happen, would you go to Edinburgh? No, I have no intention of going back unless I'm Ever. going for, yeah, unless I'm going back oh. for like a week or two to get pissed up with everyone in the loft bar and. Oh, okay. Lovely. Good for you. Because you've done because, three, haven't you? Yeah, I've done three. And honestly, Jake, I just, every time I was doing it, I was like, I'm unhappy. I'm broke. I don't understand the value of doing this. Mm. Particularly now, when you see the likes of Munya Chihuahua, Kay Curd, Mo Gilligan doing so well without needing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. And I don't know who I'm serving. I'm very lucky that I've got some of the TV breaks that I've got. And I, mm. I would argue that it's not had anything to do with Edinburgh. I think it's had to do with other stuff. Oh, okay. Like what? Just gigging out there, getting involved in projects. I think in Edinburgh, one or two people might have seen me. You know, I knew I was doing Mock the Week on the first day of Edinburgh last year. Oh, oh what a lovely feeling, though. Do you know what I mean? And so, and that made me think that actually people see you outside of Edinburgh now. People seem to know what you do without having even seen it, if that makes sense. Like, for yeah, example, yeah. I don't often post loads about what I'm up to. But but I was speaking to somebody the other day. In fact, I was on somebody's podcast and they were saying, Jake, you write for all these shows. You write for all these comedians. And I'm like, I don't really post that I do that. It's just sort of out there. Word of mouth does so much in this industry. So much. And also, I think that whole notion of what Edinburgh does is long gone because it's not really a fringe festival anymore either. It's too big to be a fringe. I do wonder if that's what would be the only good thing out of this year is that maybe it would have to for restrictions have to be smaller and maybe that would make it a bit more diluted yeah 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 yeah. yeah. uh no I, diluted concentrated 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 what is the difference it's, um well would concentrate be the thicker stuff and then diluted would make it sort of spread out make when you put the water in. i'm thinking of cordial it, yeah. juice i'm thinking I'm of thinking like my squash <laughs> by the way that's a difference in our socioeconomic status you went cordial <laughs> juice i went squash I, I honestly, I always called it squash, and then <laughs> I always called it squash. And for some reason, I don't know if I was in podcast mode, thinking I'm, I'm almost on Radio Four. I've gone cordial, or I just really thought 
I don't know. <laughs> Mate, that is so funny. Trying to impress it's, you. It's Cordial. A it's a difference in class. That's what that is. <laughs> but um, either way, more, more dense. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, less dense. Less dense. Yeah. Less like thinner. Thinner. If you dilute thinner. it, it gets thinner and bigger, doesn't it? Thinner and bigger. So it's been thinner and bigger, and we need it actually less thin, less big. Yes. And concentrate. And yes. Thing is, the the bits of Edinburgh I enjoy are the mat is the mad shit on the free fringe. That's the mm. stuff I enjoy. Oh yeah. Like yeah. a Mark Silcox show is what I want to see at the fringe. Yes, yes. Which I would actually, I I was a little bit saved by him because he did it. I think uh, the year before me, he did a show where he um he would stop in the middle to make somebody in the audience a cup of tea. Yes, yeah. I planned to do that in my first show because I was talking about making the perfect cup of tea, and then I was like, everyone hated him for it. Like, obviously, we loved him for it, but reviewers were saying that what's he doing he stopped the show to make someone a cup of tea and that could have been me <laughs> so he took a he took a, a tea bag shaped bullet for me did you hear the story about when he boiled an egg in, in the middle of his show but in one no. of the shows he he'd broken the egg that was left in the carton so he made the audience sit and wait until he popped out of the shop to get the eggs that's incredible <laughs> that is absolutely incredible and people waited. They sat. They were like, it's, "I guess it's part of the show." And the man walked out of Chow Rover, went to Tesco Express, queued up, got the eggs, and came back. That is amazing. I met him during the BBC Comedy Award, New Comedy Award, and me and him were in the same. I think we were in the same heat, and uh, I had to drop him home. But this was the point where. Um, which luckily him and I were the two that went through that night, which was very lucky. It could have been an awkward drive home, but it was at the point where he hadn't told his family yet that he was doing this as a job. So he wouldn't even let me drop him at his house. I could only drop him a few streets away. He didn't want anybody to know where he lived. He didn't want his wife to see some strange yeah. white boy dropping him home. I guess <laughs> it, was, it would ask a lot oh more, my God. It was lead like to a lot more questions. Mark Tilcox was for a moment, an Asian girlfriend. I've, I've, I've had to do that so many times. <laughs> I can imagine about the times that he got home at the same time as his son and they both had to question where they'd been but just decided just to both leave it. <laughs> okay, God, yeah. But what happened was um, that goes out on the radio, that heat, and then um, I asked my dad what he thought and he told me that he really enjoyed Mark Silcox. And... <laughs> <laughs> my heat was in uh, Greenwich up the creek I was living in Windsor at the time, so I drove there because getting to Greenwich looked too uh, overwhelming for me on the trains. So yeah, I drove yeah. there. I'd only been going for, I'd say, maybe four or five months. So it was my first paid gig. Um, and then by the time the money came through, I had got the letter from, um, I don't know, London mayor, whatever to say, not from not from Sadiq, but from London to say that I hadn't paid the congestion charge, uh, oh, which no. was I think the fine was more than the fee for the gig. That so I, awful. my first paid gig, I, I also lost money. <laughs> I also love the idea of Sadiq Khan personally writing to you. <laughs> Hi, Jake. Uh, noticed that you were <laughs> What's going on there, Jake. That's what I do. With I used to live around the corner from him actually, in um, in Tootin. Should I say where he lives? 
Yeah, I think it's public knowledge because he was an MP there, wasn't he? He he he's a, he's a politician. He's a good politician, you know. An Asian guy who's the mayor of London—that is unbelievable. Yeah. Can you imagine for my dad, who a Pakistani guy from here in the sixties and seventies, who got bottled round the head for walking on the same road as a pub, seeing an Asian mayor of his city—that's insane. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so, so for Sadiq Khan to get to that place at his age. I think mm. it's absolutely remarkable, irrespective of what his politics might be. But I reckon the equivalent of that from what your dad's seen then would be the equivalent of you seeing a, um, also what would be the right term, Asian uh, or Pakistan uh, footballer captain in the England football team. Yeah, absolutely. I reckon it'd be that equivalent oh. of just unfathomable at the time. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like in politics, we've had you know now a home secretary and a chancellor, which is the closest we're going to get to a prime minister, I think. But you're right. Mm. If I were to see someone that was my colour leading out the England football team, I think I'd just combust. I wouldn't be able to understand it. My my favourite Spurs player of all time is Raw Fox. It's just because, mate, Raw Fox is amazing. I would have loved I... to see him in a United shirt. That would be funny. I, I watched him live. Uh, my dad and I went to see um, Tottenham v Coventry. And yeah. I thought it was the most hilarious thing because Rule Fox was incredible. And this sort of like exciting player. And Gordon Strachan uh, was the um, <laughs> the player manager of Coventry. And right. he... Is this the Darren Huckabee in Dion Dublin years then? Um, oh, I, d- I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I can. I, this is only the snapshot I have from it because I might have just been a yeah. bit too young. But all I remember was um, Gordon Strachan subbed himself on, and I just thought it was the most hilarious thing that, that this so guy funny. had the audacity to be at the sideline, look at the problem on the pitch, look at his bench, and go, "I am the answer." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is something about player managers. It is a weird place to be, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, just to go, I'll sort this one out, lads. Just start taking your tracksuit off and let someone know I'm going on. It's like, it literally is. Everyone chill out. I've got this. Also, if you're the player that you get get subbed off, you must be thinking I'm done here. (laughs) He's taken me off for himself. It's the it's the equivalent of our agents being at a gig and just yeah, no. <laughs> at the side and just giving us the figure to come off and then going on themselves and finishing the set. <laughs> the, 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 the audience are not liking this. I've got something. <laughs> I've seen enough comedy. But Gordon Strachan, it turns out, um, is a huge comedy nerd. He, um, is he? Yeah, I was speaking to uh, Kevin Bridges, was saying how he used to do the stand a lot when he was coming up. And he remembers once doing a gig and uh, he could see someone in the background. And he thought to himself, that looks like, in like the back of the gig, looked like um, Gordon Strachan. And afterwards it was him. So he went and said hello, sort of introduced himself. And um, Gordon Strachan was there to see, um, oh, oh, blimey, what's his name? What's the cool cult comedian, the guy who runs the uh, Tuesday football? Mike Tavish. No, 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 the English guy. Um, he like never does TV. What's his name? The the guy, the cool... Um... Oh, my God. Daniel Kitson. Daniel Kitson. Oh, 
oh, blimey. But he was there to watch Kitson. There you go. Okay. There and he's a go. massive fan of Kitson. And apparently he goes to Kevin's tour shows, but he's been to a few of them. And every time Kevin's made a change, Gordon's like, I really love the way you sort of changed that bit. Or you really sort of moved this wow. bit over here or you added this bit. Apparently he's a real sort of nerd for it. I love how this turned into a football podcast. Maybe I should change all my alive dead pictures. <laughs> right, it's a, it's a good, that's a good chance for us to slowly move on to okay. the actual podcast. So, Ishan, there's been a knock at the door. It's the first guest of the evening. It's your alive guest. So uh, let us know who's at the door. Well, I want this uh, dinner party to have a bit of pizzazz and to have uh, a bit of entertainment. And I think this person, I've really fallen in love with this person over the last six weeks. They're very new. It's Tace from Drag Race. Right. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, I, I both have a million questions, yeah. and as I haven't seen it, also none. It's quite, <laughs> <laughs> quite a hand I've been dealt with here. Yeah. I am sure that even saying that, I can picture who this is. Okay. From okay. Twitter. I have oh. never watched a second of Drag Race. Right. Don't hate me. Yep. I, I, I apologize. No, don't. That's fine. So this is, what was the name? Tace. T-A-Y-C-E. And this has come, I assume then, Drag Race is coming to your life during lockdown. Yeah, it's coming to my life during lockdown. I so I have been partial to a bit of drag myself. I don't know if many people know this. So I, <laughs> Jake's face is so funny on the Zoom. If you listen to this, Jake does not know where to look. <laughs> it's like he's turned the Zoom on and Christian Gross has turned up to talk to him. And he's like, what is happening? So do you know that I used to be a Bollywood dance choreographer? No, did not know that. Okay, right. there's a lot of backstory to this. Okay. <laughs> I used to be a Bollywood dance choreographer, and I did it for about 12 years, right? Wow. Part time. Loved it. And one thing that I was particularly good at was dancing the female roles in Bollywood songs. Right. And then eventually I ramped it up and added makeup and saris, and I really <laughs> loved doing it. Do you mean you basically did the Gordon Strachan and went, right, none of you have got this, I'll do it myself? <laughs> Basically, I'm a sexier woman than you, Miss World. <laughs> sure, Miss World, what world is that? So um, I've always been partial to drag. And when Drag Race came out, uh, I just started watching it. And um, more recently, but this particular drag artist, Tace, I've absolutely fallen in love with her. I think she's brilliant because it's a very bitchy world. Right. And... Uh, she seems to be a very sensible person in it. I love the outfits that she has. She's got a very, very good sense of humour. And I just think that at a dinner party, she would look absolutely amazing and therefore make everybody ramp up how well-dressed they are. And she'd sing and she'd dance and it would just be awesome. She would bring the party. Yeah, she'd bring the party. So I think for a dinner party, she'd be a really great guest to have. And she looks amazing. It's a lovely shout for a lovely reason. Where has, you're going to have to educate me, where has Tace um, come from? So Tace is Welsh. She's um, 
Welsh uh, drag artist who is black and there aren't very many of them mm. and she's got a beautiful Welsh accent uh, and yeah and that's where she's from and she's I think she's absolutely brilliant she's in the final right she's in the final of drag race <laughs> uh, I don't think she'll win okay uh, because there's been one one um, drag artist Bimini Bon Boulash who has been consistently good throughout the whole program and by right. the way, I'm not someone who really watches very many, <laughs> I guess you could call this like trash programs. I, this is the only one. Right. This is your guilty pleasure. Yeah. This is my 100% guilty pleasure. And so much so that out of 7.5 billion people in the world, the person who you assume is only going to come runner up in the show has made it into your perfect <laughs> dinner party. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Alive. You said alive. They're alive. They're alive and kicking. <laughs> The thing is, you would like it. So last week, the challenges they had, they had to do stand-up. Oh. But the stand-up they did, Jake, it was the most horrible gig. So they had the four judges, which was um, uh, RuPaul herself, mm -hmm. Alan Carr, Dawn French, and Michelle Visage. And those were the four judges. And the, the audience were just like mannequins. Oh, it sounds like a fever dream. Mate, it, I was like, you can't make them do stand-up in this. It sounds like the dreams I have in the week leading up to Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. You cannot... That is not... You can't make them do stand-up like that. And they've never done it before. Oh, my God. Um, That's horrific. Yeah, yeah. It's a horrific setup. And and how how did how did our taste do? Taste tasted a lot better than people expected she would, because she's not a comedy queen. She's right. She's a dance performance queen. Oh, okay. She was, people were like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be for her, but she was actually very, very good. The one thing she kept doing was she kept saying, that's the story for another time. So she wouldn't finish the story or give us the, as Alan said, they're like, you didn't give me the story or the punchline. And he kept saying, that's the story for another time. And I was like, no, just, now, now is the time for the story. Imagine if we did that in Edinburgh. Loads of premises. I went, that's a story for another time. The other day I went to the shop, that's a story for another time. <laughs> That's so funny. See, this is why, because Taste would do shit like that. You'd be like, that is hilarious. I, I I, worry now that people have been giving you some really good, like, oh, I'd, I'd get Malala to learn about this, that, and the other. But I've just given you Taste. No, I love it. Because we know that after a while there, you two are going to be putting a dance on together. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's what you want as your perfect dinner party guest. And... She hasn't been chosen yet, and so here she is. Yeah. I'd be surprised if any of the ones I've chosen have been chosen by anybody. I'd be very surprised. I want to listen to Sindhu's and see who she chose. I bet they're already naff. Don't know why I'm going off to Sindhu here. <laughs> okay, Ishan, there's another knock at the door. Oh. It's the second guest of the evening. Yep. It's your dead guest. Right. So let us know who's at the door joining you and Tace. So joining me and Tace. Now look, I've given you already given you quite a niche answer. I'm going to give you another very niche one. Yeah. This guy is my favourite singer of all time, and he's right. particularly uh, interesting because he was the first person of Pakistani descent to uh, collaborate with people like Pearl Jam, 
Western oh. uh, bands. His name is Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, Ustad Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. And now Jake is like, how the fuck do I spell this? Right. So Nusrat, N-U-S-R-A-T. N-U-S-R-A-T. Space. F-A-T-E-H. Yep. Space. Ali. A-L-I. Yep. Space Khan, K-H-A-N. Now, he has that sung, I mean, I'm talking thousands of songs, right? Right. And um, so let me just quickly, he's actually got, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he has got um, a record, a world record of some description. But anyway, he is... Um, oh, what, for most, most songs, songs released? Songs. Yeah. Right. Basically. Wow. Nosrat Fatah Ali Khan. Yeah. Now, Nusufa Dele Khan, the thing with him is he is a master of a sort of Sufi devotional music called Gawali. Right. And these songs can last anything from 20 minutes to 45 minutes per song. And the LA Weekly in 2016 des described him as the fourth greatest singer of all time. Oh, I love stuff like this. When it is somebody you've never heard of, but should definitely, definitely have known of. Yes. And you yes. just go, you get to educate yourself on something where it's the sort of thing where people would say, who's the best-selling artist? Who's done this? And then there's people that you realise how, you, you learn how ignorant you are. Yeah, and there's a whole new world out there, right? He, exactly. In 1997, he won a Grammy for Best Traditional Folk Album. Wow. And in the same year, his album Night Song was nominated for a Grammy for Best World Music Album. Right. So this guy is the real deal. He's he done it all. Yeah, absolute real deal. In 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 uh, sort of Eastern culture, is he is it insane that you haven't heard of him? Yeah, it would be because the thing with Nusuf Ali Khan is he his songs are so timeless. Even now, new releases are sampling his songs, his original songs. Oh, okay, right. And so there have been loads of Western remixes, Eastern remixes, even in Bollywood his songs are taken and sampled and the beauty of Nusuf Adeli Khan is that he um his songs are supposed to be devotional but there are still loads of schools of study about whether he's talking about god whether he's talking about a woman whether he's talking about what is he talking about so there's a whole world of study around Nusuf Adeli Khan's music um and what was particularly curious is he was a very, he was a huge, huge lad. Like he was a big lad, weighed over like 140, 50, 150 kilos, like big guy. Oh my God. Wow. And, but he would sit for hours. He would be able to sit for hours and just sing. And when he had his... Um, would, he, would he sit on stage? Yeah, he sat cross-legged on stage. That's amazing. For hours. <laughs> his, so... In Gawali, Gawali music, the tradition is it's done by family groups, right? So it passes down from generation to generation. Okay. Um, what, so, so like the Spice Girls' daughters would all do their songs? Yes, yes, basically. It gets passed down, right? Right. And uh, the story goes that when Sufadeli Khan had a stroke, he only had mobility in one of his fingers, and his nephew, who is now a famous singer in his own right, Rahat Fadeli Khan, all the like the voice exercises, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan would teach Rahat just by using his finger up and down, by saying, directing his voice to go up. Oh, to go down, to go wow. Down, to go down. Um, so there's a whole romance. So the reason why I have Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan on 
is to me he is the best singer of all time and he would just be able to sing these hypnotic songs that taste could dance to <laughs> and you and me of course <laughs> um but yeah he would be my next dinner party guest i would be honored to have him there I think I'd cry. Really? That's yeah. so lovely. And it's so lovely for you to even have a connection with somebody like that. Yeah. In any way, for there to be somebody who you... Because I assume then when I gave you these these rules for the podcast, you knew straight away Dead Choice was 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 him. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Immediately. There would be no one else I'd rather have. Like, there are times now where... So, <laughs> I watch Indian Idol, which is... The... Okay. <laughs> So, always... so this thing of um, I hardly watch trash TV. <laughs> <laughs> but Indian Idol is different though because these these guys can properly sing. Like, oh, okay. What's curious about Indian Idol? At no point do any of the judges say we love your look. That never comes up. It's always about the vocals. It's different to British pop idol because in India and South Asia they don't care about the look. That comes later. If you're a singer, right? Be a good singer. So they have like a Nusrat Fadeli Khan episode every series. Ah, oh, which which must be so long. Some people just doing forty five. <laughs> yes, go, go fucking up. And there is not a single episode of that where I don't cry watching it because I'm like just amazing. This guy's unbelievable. Ah, oh, that's so lovely. Eddie so... Vedder, when Eddie Vedder collaborated with Nusrat Fadeli Khan from Pearl Jam, he was like, we couldn't speak the same language, but the language he spoke was music, and he just. I just knew what he wanted and the way he did it. Just from his finger, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Up, down, up, down. And the guy, the guy in the studio going, fucking hell, the volume is all over the... <laughs> <laughs> you got, you got Nosra sorry, Nosra Fetter Ali Khan. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, Nosra Fetter Ali Khan, that's it, yeah. It's sort of ruined the joke that I couldn't say his name, but I was going to have it about him telling someone off and then the guy with the volume just going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. <laughs> That's basically it. That's basically it. Yeah. So they do it for the similar thing as of, of assume what the uh, the voice have tried to do over here to be like we only care about the voice, but over there they do actually only care about the voice. There's yeah, not been some vetting thing before that anyway, where we go, but we also know what you look like. Yeah, yeah, no, they don't care. They just if you can sing, you can sing. Actual, but it's about actual talents. Yeah, and these people who are on there. They're like. I've been singing since I was three years old. I wake up at five every morning and do my voice exercises. So their dedication to it is sort of similar to mine with comedy. Absolutely. Yes, mm. exactly the same. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Okay, Shan, there's another knock at the door. It's the third, the final guest of the evening. It's your fictional choice. So who is joining you, Tace, Anujafati Ali Khan. Oh man, that's, I need to get better that, at this. That's good. That's pretty good. No, that was good. You so, can yeah. almost say it in a second, and I take about five. Well, yeah, it's just language, isn't it? Nusrat yeah. Ali Khan. Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. There you go. I, sort of, I shouldn't do an accent. I don't know where the accent <laughs> came from. <laughs> do you know what? You say that. <laughs> I, I do talk about this sometimes, which is that we. Basically, there's a lot of discourse around racism, right? And white people get slapped around the face all the time for their racism. Yes, and accents. I do. But but all <laughs> human beings have this tendency. So, for example, I, I've said before, English was the fourth language I learned to speak, right? Fourth? My, yeah, the fourth language. I, it was the fourth language I learned to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. You're so good at it. Oh, my God. Thank you. And um, my mum, who spoke Bengali and would learn English, if I asked my mum what the Bengali word was for an English word, mm. she'd just say the same word, but with a Bengali accent. <laughs> so I'd be like, mum, how do you say chair in Bengali? And she'd be like, uh, chair. <laughs> that that's obviously not what it is. <laughs> and like in, in, uh, I had a voice, I had a voice audition. Oh my God. I had a voice audition. And um, they said, okay, this is for you to, um, it's for a big company and it's the voice center for the, uh, the voice for the call center recordings. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, because it's in India, we need you to make sure that the English you speak is more synonymous with the, in- the Indian experience because okay, what yeah. you've got now is too English. Mm. So people might not understand. So I said, okay, do you want me to do an accent? They said, well, Effectively, yes, but an accent that's authentic to Indian. The accent I went for, the person stopped me and said, that is too much. (laughs) (laughs) It's too much. (laughs) I made a white person feel uncomfortable with how racist I was being about what Indian accent sounds like. (laughs) Welcome to also... like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> mate. I've, yeah. So don't worry, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. You can't actually say Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan as we would in English because it doesn't sound right. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? In a sense, you have to say it with the accent. I think Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. Thank you. There you go. There you Thanks go. for your seal of approval. I needed that. I've given you the pass. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we've stalled your poor fictional guest is waiting the other side of the door. Your third and final guest, fictional guest of the evening. Who's at the door? My fictional guest of the evening is from the book and later film Wuthering Heights, Heathcliff. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> look at Jake's face! I didn't expect that. Curveful after curveful. <laughs> This this curveball just came from behind us, smacked me on the back of the head. How... Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Okay, in, in what uh, in, in what uh, form is this person coming in? Who, who is there a particular person? Um, that's a good question. Who would I get to play Heathcliff? Maybe I should explain why I've chosen Heathcliff. Then we can go down to it. Yes. So, like I said, English was the fourth language I learned to speak. And when I was about seven years old, maybe eight, my mum heard me speaking English for the first time with my friends. And she thought I had what she considered an unacceptable accent. It was a bit Essex and East London. Oh, right. So she said, that's not going to wash. We're going home and you're going to read my favourite book as though you're on radio. And her favourite book was Wuthering Heights. Oh. And I read Wuthering Heights. I tried to give him what I thought was a good Yorkshire accent. My mum, my mum's retort was, no gentleman has a Yorkshire accent. Sorry, Yorkshire. <laughs> they sound, and my mum, for some reason, I don't know why, she just loved Heathcliff's character. He was a complete fuck up, but he was charming and gentlemanly and like brooding and all this stuff. So my mum wanted that for me. Right. So what went wrong? <laughs> yeah, precisely. So the pressure was too much. I couldn't be the kind of idea of a Victorian gentleman that my mum wanted me to be through Heathcliff. And he, I mean, he was basically a bit mentally abusive, wasn't he? But that's for another time. Um, so Heathcliff, between the ages of eight and 12, weirdly played a big part in what my mum thought was were the requirements of being a gentleman growing up. So the reason I'd want Heathcliff to come is because I don't think Heathcliff knows how how important he was to the formative, to my formative years. Oh. Well, of course he doesn't because he's a fictional character. But well, that's, that's, that's one reason why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's why I'd get Heathcliff. I also think that with taste there and Fidelity can't there, I'd be interested to see how Heathcliff reacts to them because it might be a bit much. Yeah, that might, that's going to be quite a lot for him. I can't imagine he's very woke. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he would help you uh, with how to correctly lay out the cutlery. Yes, that'd be good. I'd imagine. I mean, he would he would hate the fact that he's having to do it, but he'd at least know. Yeah. For table manners. Um, yeah. Not saying you don't have them already. Now, I think I've just realised all my life that I have got Heathcliff and Mister Darcy. Confuses the same person. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Darcy is much nicer. Is Mr. Darcy who Matthew McFadden played, or did he play Heathcliff? I don't know. Let's find out who played Heathcliff. Let's find out who played Heathcliff. Who played Heathcliff in Mothering Heights? And the answer is uh, Tom Hardy. In Tom Hardy. Not what the Tom Hardy. Yeah. Oh, what? what when, when did this one come out? Two thousand and nine. Is that is that right? Oh yeah. Blimey, I didn't know he did that. Oh, was this was this a series? TV. Series. Oh no, it's a film. Yeah. Oh, is it? But it says two thousand nine to two thousand nine. Maybe it's a film. Oh no, two episodes. Ah. Ah, there you go. Yeah, Tom Hardy. Oh right. Well, you could have Tom Hardy there and say, would that be the best one? That'd be good. Yeah, that'd be good. Thing is, the way he killed himself is not something I would do, which is he starved himself to death. That's impossible. 
Oh, right. Well, if he's doing it at this point, you get more food for you, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I also, I didn't know he killed himself. Oh, obviously, a minute ago, I thought he was Mr. Darcy. But um, I, I, I think my only real relation with um, uh, with Heathcliff is um, from the song. Kate Bush? Yeah. Fine. I know it's this sort of him. I, I, I picture him marching across the moors. Yes. Yeah, that's the kind of thing he would do, yeah. <laughs> so he'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> Kathy's there on the other side. Yeah. So have you read this book many times? Yeah. Right. Is it a big book? It's not that big. Would you recommend it? Should I read it? Yeah, read it. It's a classic. Like Victorian literature is like my favourite genre. Really? Yeah. Victorian literature and. I guess more recently, I'm going to say Japanese literature, but I've only read two authors, so that's not really right. Japanese literature. Um, who have you read of Japanese literature? Murakami and Ishiguro are the two that I've read. Is Murakami the guy that's got the? Uh, sorry, I, I take your culture and just go. Is he the guy that? But is he the one who does the who had the short stories of Men Without Women? Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. that was uh, that was very good. I re- I really loved that. Uh, 1Q84 was great. Sputnik Princess, like I like all of Murakami. It's weird because he's a bit, he's a bit strange, and I don't normally like that. I don't. And Murakami, when you read it, is a bit of a, it's a bit of a head trip. So I kind of like it for that reason. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I think remember that women is maybe is a little bit more normal when he's just in the car with the lady who's his driver, and it's just them two talking. And maybe that's when he's a bit more yeah, yeah, yeah. concentrated on my level, where I can sort of keep up with the story. The the one where. Um, I, what I think about when I'm running, he what? writes as well. That's quite interesting. No, I don't know that. Yeah, worth reading. Murakami is interesting to read. I'm currently reading at the minute a book by um, Matt Haig, but he's a bit contentious yeah. on Twitter, isn't he? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. People get really annoyed with him for some reason on Twitter. Yeah, I've not, I've not, but I don't want to ruin the book. I'm reading the Midnight Library, but I don't want to ruin uh, the book for myself yet. So I'm going to research him afterwards and see what what it is he's done wrong. Um, I'm sure as it's Twitter, absolutely nothing, but um, yeah. people just turned my, on him. Yeah, from my observation of it, nothing really. He's just a nice guy who went through a tough time and people are like, you pansy. You know, oh, uh, oh, lovely. Ah, Twitter. It's one of them ones. Oh, right. Um, it's such a lovely choice. I am. I, what I do enjoy when I do this podcast is that I get to sort of learn things and I am sort of like broadening my horizons, um, which yeah. I, don't, I think is a shock to nobody. We're not that bored, but... So now I've got, um, I mean, would Drag Race be considered Boarding My Horizons? Maybe I've not watched <laughs> it, so technically. But Nusra Fatah Ali Khan, love it. And I love that he's so important, so big, and it just completely passed me by. And then I'm going to read Wuthering Heights as well. Great. Look at that. What, what a day. I'm afraid you've taken this to such a high place with your culture. I now have got a, a couple of quick fire questions for you so we can imagine what the dinner party will be like. Yes, great. I'm looking forward to this. So this is just quick fire questions and then we just find out a little bit more about what it will be like for the, for the four of you. Ready? Go. Beer or wine? Wine. Whiskey or gin? Whiskey. Meat or vegan? Meat. Starter or dessert? Oh, starter, probably. Music or games? Music. I, I thought that was coming. Culture or politics? Culture. 
Nice. Signature dish? Oh, a lamb shank biryani. Oh, wow. That's lovely. Do you make that? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's really impressive. Thank you, mate. I'm quite so... an impressive guy. <laughs> <laughs> Blimey, where I, don't, I wouldn't I literally wouldn't even know where to start with that. Where do you even get a lamb shank from? A butcher's. <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever been in one apart from maybe when I was like oh, young enough to hold my mum's hand. The other day, like, the other 25. day, I was walking up. My my girlfriend and I just recently got a puppy. Obviously, it's lockdown. <gasps> oh, and we're walking the puppy down the road, and. My puppy got really overexcited. <laughs> my girlfriend went, oh, you can't really blame her. She's never seen a raw meat shop before. Or a butcher's. <laughs> it's never been called a raw meat shop. And she's vegetarian. She goes, I'm so vegetarian. I call it a raw meat shop. Forget any nouns people have come up with. You know. Let's just, pure description. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a lamb shank biryani. Lovely. What type of dog do you have? I have a Jackapoo, a Jack Russell Poodle Cross. Oh, she, she is asleep. I mean, do you want to see her? She's asleep. Yeah, I oh, don't want to disturb her. Is she do, so Jack Russells they run and sort of rest their back legs as they run. Does she do that thing? Um, I don't. Or know. she got the She's poodle? I'm not doing that. But when she when she trots, she trots like a pony. It's really oh, quite sweet. oh yeah! I've seen a few dogs doing that recently in the park. It's they, so lovely. Yeah, they kind of bounce. Um, she's very graceful in that sense. She's a very sweet thing. She's absolutely. Oh, at the moment. what's her name? Her name is Nimki. Where's that come from? Nimki is a um, savoury snack in South Asia. It's diamond shaped. Blimey, is she aware of this? Yeah, she's a little snack. <laughs> <laughs> little savoury snack. Yeah, so. Lovely. So, now, Ishan, we're going to go through the three choices that I chose for you. I'm so uh, excited to see what you thought fair, of me before you spoke to me. Fair to say, way off the mark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alive, um, Sir Alex Ferguson. Very, very good shout. Oh, thank you. Very happy to have Sir Alex there. I, I just thought that he would have brought a lot of sort of joy uh, to your life, which, of course, has not been matched since 2013. But for the majority of your life as a Manchester United fan, he must have had so many yes. important moments. Of course. And he would have so many stories. He's also got a very good sense of humour. I think yeah. he'd be an absolutely wonderful dinner party guest. So I think you made a very, very good choice. I'm slightly worried the fact that I didn't choose him, to be honest. <laughs> Taste. Sorry, love. You've got to go. Dead. Yeah. Uh, Richard Pryor. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I just thought, I thought you were somebody who, because you're, you're very smart, very sort of where I imagined you were somebody who, not that you have to be this as a comedian to know that, I just thought you were somebody who would have studied comedy so much growing up. I thought you would have, that maybe he would have been in quite an important role uh, in your life. I don't know. That is so interesting because when I started comedy, the only people I knew were Michael McIntyre, Lee Evans. Ah. Oh. I knew wow. nothing about comedy. Nothing right. at all. What year was this? Uh, I started comedy in 2014. 
Right. I knew nothing. I'd seen like a Russell Peters clip. I'd seen a Paul Chowdhury clip, but it was stand up was never like something I was really passionate about as a kid. It was never. It's only after I've started doing it that I've watched comedians and then fallen in love with different types of comedians. Oh, okay. And has Richard Pryor made that list? Yeah, Richard Pryor's made that list. Absolutely. My, you know, I Him, like Jake Lambert. Yeah. So in my pantheon of greats, it goes Pryor, Chappelle, Burr, Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Um, I hope that joke ages so terribly that in twenty years people think you were being serious. <laughs> yeah so yeah there you go right thank you fictional now i did uh i was i do a little bit of research when i'm coming up with this uh so there was a reason i chose this um but for fictional i went for um now just remind people that you've gone for taste you've gone for nuzafat ali khan and fictional you went for heathcliff this is where you really are where i saw you (laughs) is i went for borat and <laughs> you know what? You, I have got a Borat themed top, Borat a Super Mario, that says very nice. That is a, you know, Jake, I have to say, I'm very impressed with your three. Oh, thank there. you. Really, thank really. You. Borat would be, if I, if I wanted to make this podcast funnier and not show my cultural side, I would have definitely chosen two out of three of those people. Oh, mate. Oh, that's so lovely. Oh, I'll take that. And I that do love, brilliant. I do love how you've sort of gone through, you've talked about all these people, all these Victorian literature, and these Japanese books you read, you cook lamb shanks, all of this stuff. And you go, and I've got a teacher that goes, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Such an undercut of everything that's happened in the I last know. hour. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I've got a range, but I have to say, Jake, I'm so impressed with all three of them, but particularly Sir Alex and, and Borat. I've got a very good Borat story for you, actually. Go on. This was when I was, I, I was a banker for six years of my life when I started. Right. And the first Borat DVD came out. I used to work in Mayfair and it was, they were releasing it. They sell the DVD at the HMV on Oxford Street. And with every DVD copy, they were giving a, a mankini out. So I said to my boss, I need to go and get this DVD. I fucking love Borat. You know, I'm going. So I thought what would be really funny is if I wore this mankini over my suit back into the office. Now, I worked in private banking. It's a very snooty part of the business, right? You deal with very wealthy people and heirs and graces. We had a doorman. You know, it was one of those kind of offices. I go in, and as I'm walking towards my desk, from the upstairs executive floor, Richard Green, who spends two days a year in England who's oh the boss God. of a private bank, is walking down, right? He points at me and he goes, what, what on earth are those? And I was like, uh, they're braces. I had this luminous green fucking thing on my... But he goes, braces? Then he summons me upstairs. I'm like, I'm getting sacked today, like now. <laughs> so he says, right, take it off. In the nervousness, as I took off the top bit, the bottom bit bunched up between my legs. So I'm trying to yank this thing between out of my legs look like a luminous green tampon between my legs in front of richard green who's just watching me so sternly and i'm just like fuck me and then he just warned me sent me back to the office my boss heard what had happened it was just everyone was just howling 
Oh my God. The moment when you were just there having to take it off in front of him. Oh <laughs> my God. Um, he was just watching me. I'm like, my job, I'm done. I'm sacked. I'm done. I bet, I bet what happened was, you know that thing where you've never heard of something and then suddenly they, it sort of appears everywhere. You know, you know like maybe there's a new, new pair of trainers out and you've not seen them and then someone says, now that you've seen them, you'll see them everywhere. I bet after that moment, he has just forever seen mankinis everywhere and thought, I'd never seen them until that one day someone was wearing it in the office and now they are everywhere. I know. Fucking hell. But yeah, Borat is a very, I love him. So very good shout. Thank you. We now have a very tough decision to make, Ishan. You've made three excellent choices, but only one can make it through to the ultimate dinner party. We now have to whittle down Tace, Nujafata Ali Khan, who I think I've got better at, and Heathcliff, and decide which one of the three is going to go to the ultimate dinner party. Who would you like to take? I am probably going to take Nujafata Ali Khan. I'm so glad you said that. I really thought I was going to have to talk you down from, from having a great time with Tace. <laughs> I love Tace. <laughs> I do, but Nujafata Ali Khan. That said, in the choice between Tace and Sir Alex, you've really kind of changed my mind a bit on that one, I have to say. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. But Nusra Fadeli Khan definitely would, get, would, would go to my ultimate dinner party. I, I think it would be such a phenomenal choice. It sounds like just from you talking about him, it sort of seems so obvious that he has to be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah absolutely. And was he the sort of person who, uh, would he would he be up for singing at the party? Was he like a showman like Oh, this? 100%. Yeah, it, it's not even about being a showman. He just loved singing so much. It's the only thing he knew how to do. Oh, okay. So it would almost be you just if you tell you, you'd actually be everyone sort of lowering their fingers a little bit after a while, just so they could hear themselves think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Going, Come on. Now. Right. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can people find you? On the socials, I'm called Michael Packintyre. That's where you'll find oh, my stuff. I couldn't be the one to say that, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can say Michael Packentire. Yeah, I'm not going to. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Thank you for having me. I really, really love this. Have you got a few gigs coming in now for the summer? Yes, I've weirdly a couple of festivals have been starting to get booked in. So I'm yeah, like, lovely. Oh well, I hope they go ahead. That'd be really nice. I'd love to go to a festival. Oh, what a way God, to start. Imagine start the emergence of lockdown. Is at a festival? With Craig oh, just David. straight in. Yes, Zero to 100. Yeah. Craig David. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, I've got a few coming in. I've, I've even had some of the... Actually, you, I think you're doing the Glee Club in Birmingham the week before I'm there. Oh, really? Oh, great. Okay. That... Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me so, know. Someone sent me a screen grab of it, of, 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 of the fact that I was there, and then I saw that you were there above me. Right, I'll let you get on with your day. I know you've had a busy morning. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. Cheers, bro. The Crankies were a Scottish comedy duo who enjoyed success as a cabaret act in the 1970s and on television in the 80s, featuring in their own television show and making pop records. Since this period, they have also regularly appeared in pantomime. The duo comprises of wife Janet Tuff and her husband Ian. There you go. Right, uh, that was Ishan. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, it was really fun. Um, it was lovely to chat with him. 
Hope you agreed with our choice. If you didn't, feel free to, to get in touch. It's guestlistwithjake at gmail.com. And as always, please remember to like, share, rate, subscribe, all that stuff, please. It does make a difference. And as ever, I will be back next week with another episode. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.